please be seated as we turn now in our Bibles to 1 John. 1 John chapter 2, as we continue our series in the epistle, the first epistle of John. First John chapter 2, verses 22 to 29, we'll read in a moment. Before we read, I want us to think about what a great privilege we all had last Sabbath day. I want to bring our minds back to that great privilege we had of partaking of the Lord's Supper, uh, the bread and the cup, which are pictures, which are signs and seals of the Lord's body. In the midweek, we were looking at what sacraments are. It's a term we often hear, but perhaps we don't think of what does the word mean. And one of the things that the sacraments do, whether it's the Lord's Supper, whether it's baptism, they exhibit. They set a picture before us. They set a picture before us of Christ. Christ who is offered both as regenerating, life-giving life in the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God poured out, pictured in baptism. But also that picture we saw last Sabbath of the bread and the cup nourishing believers in Jesus Christ. And it's something even that the boys and girls, as they look on, not yet ready to partake of the Lord's Supper, can see. When you see, boys and girls, the bread and the cup during the Lord's Supper, you see the older people who are believers in Jesus Christ taking that bread, taking that cup. And what is it a picture of, boys and girls? It's a picture, isn't it, of how we feed on Christ and how we are nourished by Christ. It's a picture of his body and his blood. Now, boys and girls, does Christ feed you? Yes, he brings you breakfast on your table. Yes, he's given you every good thing in your life. But boys and girls, does he feed you spiritually? And how does he feed you spiritually? By trusting in him. Does Christ feed you today? Because think about it. If you walked away from food, what would happen? If you walked away from drink for long enough, what would happen? You say, I don't want to eat and I don't want to drink anything. What would happen? After a while, you'd get very hungry, wouldn't you? Oh, but if you do it for long enough, what happens when you don't have any food? You will die. <laughs> Boys and girls, everyone here, we all need Jesus Christ to be our food and our drink. We all need him and we will never come to a point in our lives when we will outgrow our need for Christ. If we walk away from Christ, we walk away from life. If we walk away from life, we walk toward death. And that's for everybody. That's not just for the people who had the Lord's Supper the last Sabbath day. We all need to feed on Christ. And what we're going to see this morning as we read through our text is that we need to remain with Christ. It's not just that we made a decision one day in our lives and I'm good to go. 
No, dear friends, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ, the Bible says, cling to him. The Bible says, abide with him. The Bible says, to remain with him, to dwell with him. Because if your love for him is genuine, you will continue with him. And you will remain with him. And dear friends, we will remain with him for all eternity in heaven. So let us now read God's holy and infallible word together in 1 John chapter 2, verses 22 down to the end of the chapter. Let us hear God's holy word. Who is a liar, but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. And may the Lord bless the reading of his holy and his infallible word. In various parts of the world, there are dangerous events. Sometimes there's extreme and dangerous weather. We also remember, don't we, Turkey and Syria, uh, those earthquakes and those things that happen in the world. There are great dangers in the world. We live in a fallen world which is full of suffering. And even here, we can have dangerous weather. We've had some dangerous weather over the winter time. Parts of the world can have hurricanes, tornadoes. But what is the common sense when there is some bad weather in the area? Or what's the advice given? Stay at home. Because outside of your home is one of the most dangerous places you can be. Remain at home. Or as we think about our text, abiding at home or dwelling where it is safe. The need for remaining and continuing in certain things, remaining in a place of safety. And this morning we're going to be looking at remaining in a place of spiritual safety. It is not that we maintain our salvation. It is that out of a heart of love, a heart that has been changed by God and by God alone, we remain with him. We stay with him. If we leave our home during a storm or extreme weather, it is risky 
and it is dangerous, depending on how bad the weather is. We may downplay the danger of the weather as we leave our homes. Some others may say it is reckless for doing what we are doing. But what about leaving the place of safety of the soul, of your eternal soul? You see, the difference is, while you may go out into a dangerous storm, it's risky. The difference is here with leaving this home, this place of safety. It is not a question of whether there is doom ahead. It is certain doom ahead, certain ruin. So this morning, what does it mean to abide? What does it mean to remain or dwell with Christ because these, these things, dear friends, are the fruits of conversion. If God has planted the roots in your heart, there will be the fruit, good fruit, of remaining with him and continuing with him. To show, dear friends, that you are indeed a genuine Christian with a genuine love for God. So our title this morning is Remaining with Christ. Remaining with Christ. And our first point this morning is this as we look at this title of remaining with Christ, dwellers in a dangerous denial. Dwellers in a dangerous denial. Much like the person traveling in a storm, he may deny for a time how dangerous the storm is. He so desperately wants to get out of his house and so desperately wants to go where he wants to go. He or she may say in their hearts, it's not that bad. It's not that dangerous. It's not that big of a deal. But in departing from the Lord, it says this, verse 22 and verse 23, who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Now this is in the context of people who have departed from the truth. They have they've been called antichrist. It says he is antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So this is serious. See, there would have been people as well at that time who would have said, look, we don't need to go to that place called the church. There are other faiths, and they would have also said, we believe in the one true and living God. But they would have never shown any fruits of saving faith in their lives. And they would have said, no, no, I love God. I just don't need to go to that place called the church to worship him. This also existed in the first century. And John is warning them. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. No longer dwells in the bosom of the church. You see the church is to be a nourishing and encouraging and a warm place for believers. In Jesus Christ. A place to be fed. But for those who have openly. Departed from the church. There is dangerous denial ahead. So dangerous it is denying Jesus to be the Christ. The Messiah himself. And if you don't have Jesus. You don't have his father either. That's the dangerous denial. The denial of Christ. Because we're not just talking here about a drop in attendance or um, other things. People can backslide, of course, and be genuine believers and come to be restored 
but to leave Jesus Christ behind entirely. To deny him. Not remaining with him. Because to not remain with him is to deny him. People who say that they love Christ but they don't wish to come to church. And I don't want to make it seem like this is the only thing we must do. Coming to church is the the least thing in the Christian life. It is the most glorious thing to do, to come and worship before God. But surely if we love God, why would we not want to be here? But if we say, I love God, I just don't want to be at church, does that make any sense? It will be almost like someone saying, I love my husband, I just cannot be around him. Or my wife, or whoever it is. This is my best friend, but I don't want to spend any time with him. It wouldn't make any sense. The person you love, the person you care about, you want to spend time with and be close to. If we love Christ, we'll love his body. And you want to see who, who is his body? Look around you, dear friends. They are these imperfect people who God has saved and redeemed by his blood, by the blood of the Lamb. And in remaining in that relationship with Jesus Christ, it is showing forth not just to the world, but also to the church that you have been genuinely born again. If we don't remain in a relationship, is the love really genuine at all? If you have a business relationship and you promise something in that relationship and you break that promise and you break that covenant and you break that vow, then you have denied everything in that promise. It's a rejection of something. And in turning away from Christ, we are really rejecting Him. And even, dear friends, it's The last two months have been some of the most wonderful times of my life. I've absolutely loved being here, preaching the gospel. But dear friends, I acknowledge one thing. You will only know my love for you over a long period of time. You won't know it in two months. You will only know it how long I am steadfast toward you. And I ask for your prayers in that. It is something... That remains. It is something that is constant because it's so easy, isn't it, to remain committed to something for a short period of time. But real love endures, it lasts, it grows, it flowers, it develops in the good times and in the bad. So if you leave Christ, you went out from us. For you are not of us. No longer dwelling with him. That is a dangerous place to be. You have gone out without protection. Into the storm. Facing certain ruin. Now I say coming to church. I just don't want to make it seem like it's just about coming to church. Your, your private devotions. Prayer for the Christian. Is really like his breath. A relationship with no communication is no relationship at all. We communicate with our Father in heaven because He is our Father. And we listen to Him because He is the one who gives us life. So these are things 
that will be in a healthy relationship with God, privately alone, reading your Bible, praying. And also, not just that, but even in families. You don't have to have children to have family worship, to remain with Him as a family, one together. Bring everybody in your family, whoever they may be in your household, bring them together for about five to ten minutes, morning and evening, and be blessed by reading the scriptures and praying together for a short period of time that the Lord would meet with you. Do not forsake Christ in your family. Do not forsake Christ when you are alone. You see, we may be Christians to the outside world, but are you a Christian when no one else can see except God? There's no fooling God. It's a serious thing. so serious, the Bible calls someone who ends up in this scenario, is departed from the Lord, is an antichrist. It does not have this anointing poured out upon them. It is called this person a liar. It is serious, strong language for the person who does not continue with Christ and trusting in him. So number one, we've looked at dwellers in a dangerous denial. Number two now, dwellers in a delivering doctrine. Dwellers in a delivering doctrine. With that danger in mind, John has the solution. So this problem has been given in verses 22 and 23. Now in verse 24, he gives the solution. He says this word, therefore... And that word is a very important word. Therefore. Think of it like this. My car is dirty. Therefore, I need to clean it. Here's the solution. Uh, Here's with this dangerous denial. You need to look to what? Therefore, let that abide in you, which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us eternal life. The solution, dear friends, because of this, because of the danger of going away from Christ. And it says, this is the last hour, verse 18 of this chapter. That you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. And even though there are many Antichrists coming. In the last days, and the last days is from the time of Christ's first coming until his second coming. There will be many who depart from the faith. We've seen it throughout history. We've even had the painful realization in our own lives of seeing people depart openly from the faith. The dangerous denial. The refusal to remain of some should leave us saying to ourselves, let that abide in you. Let it abide in you and you and all who are here. Let it abide in you which you have heard from the beginning, which you, and if what you have heard from the beginning abides in you, you will abide in the Son and in the Father. So if the truth abides in you, you will have not only the Son, but also the Father, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one true and living God. We've mentioned this earlier, but it's, it's worth thinking, what does it mean to abide? We don't typically use this word much more, much in English these days. But to abide means to, to remain in a place, to stay, permanent sense of dwelling, living, unchanged in a sphere, realm, to continue, 
to last, to be permanent, to endure, and to wait upon something. And you can't get something much more permanent sounding than which you have heard from the beginning. There's no change in this truth. There's no change in this gospel. There is no change in the Savior. There is no change in our God. There is no change in the light which emanates from Him. There is no change in Him. That which is from the beginning. And that should remain in you. That which is unchanging and enduring needs to endure and remain with you, dear friends. And grow and flower and flourish and bring forth fruit. As we said, verses 22 and 23 are those who are in denial of Christ, but departing from Christ, they are anti-Christ. But the solution is here. The truth from the beginning. That the truth would dwell in you, live in you, have a home in you. That the truth would have a welcoming warmth in your heart. Does the truth dwell and remain in your heart? Does it find a welcoming home? And at times that truth may correct us. At times that truth will change us. At that times that truth will make us feel uncomfortable. At times that truth will ask us to do challenging things. But the truth will set you free. It's not... Do we have some days of caring about religion? Everybody becomes religious at times. Even the atheist near the end of his life will probably most likely become religious just in case. While knowing deep down that he's surrounded by the evidence of God. Even unconverted people become religious from time to time. The question is not have you been religious? The question is not have you thought about God? The question is not many of the things, but does it stay with you and grow with you? Because, dear friends, if the love is genuine toward God, it it won't depart. If, if, If you depart from God, you're never born again in the first place. Good times and in bad. Ezekiel 36, verses 26 says this, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And think about the picture Ezekiel has given God's people there. I will take away your heart of stone. Now if you have a heart of stone, you're probably not going to be very responsive, are you? You're dead, spiritually. But if you've been replaced, a heart transplant, you have life. It says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, Since you have been Purify, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides. Well, there's that word again, abides. Forever. It remains Forever. This truth, dear friends, this heavenly doctrine, this life-giving message delivers, it saves, it redeems. And if it dwells in you, it has rescued you, brought you into union 
with Christ. It remains in you. If the Spirit of God has made a home in your heart, the truth is welcome. The truth is welcome in your heart. The truth. Now, as we think about this, does it sound like or does it seem like what we believe matters? Because we speak here about, therefore let that abide in you, which you've heard from the beginning. This is doctrine, this is truth. And then in verse 27 it says this, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. Now this is not saying that you don't need to be taught anything, but the Spirit of God will guide you into all truth. All truth. It teaches you. What we believe about Christ matters. Put it this way. Now, none of us will have perfect doctrine this side of eternity. None of us will have perfect doctrine here on this earth. However, there is the doctrine of the person who believes in Jesus Christ. The teaching of the one who believes in Jesus Christ. And then there is the doctrine of the one who rejects Christ They reject truth in our heart. And they are hostile to the message of the gospel. It may not manifest itself openly at all times. Does the truth abide in you? And to remind ourselves of the Lord's Supper last Sabbath. If we're feeding on Christ. It's not just something we do two times a year, three times a year. or However long we do. However many times we do the Lord's Supper. We feed upon Christ daily in the word of God. We depend upon him daily. We remain and dwell with him daily. His truth, which we have heard from the beginning, is that heavenly food. Because if you depart from food, remember dear boys and girls, if you depart from food from long enough, what happens? You will die. In order to have life, you need food and you need drink. And that death is the wrath of Almighty God. So we've looked at dwellers in a dangerous denial, dwellers in a delivering doctrine. Now we're number three. We're going to look at dwellers in a deceptive delusion. A deceptive delusion. Now, delusions that are deceptive are very, very convincing of those who are convinced by them. They're very convincing. And those who depart from the faith, especially to the unconverted heart. Look at verse 27, it says, or verse 26, sorry. It says this, These things, John writes, I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you or to lead you astray. There's going to be some people leaving the church who will also try and bring you with them. It's not enough that a person will depart from Christ. See, they're convinced of what they believe. This is when somebody again leaves the church openly, looking at the previous verses, verses 18 to 23, speaking about Antichrist who depart from the visible church on this earth. They declare to the world that they do not believe. And they will try to deceive you. It's interesting, isn't it? There's a warning here. If you see someone going in the wrong direction, spiritually, yes, we try to help them. 
but have discernment, dear friends. They also will try to influence you. They will also try to influence you. In departing from the truth. Now, generally speaking, in church life, we are to think the best we can possibly think of people. Yet we are not to be naive. It says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 to 7. It says, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. But love thinks no evil. Put it a simple way, we think the best we can possibly think of people. If there's two options in front of us of how we can interpret someone talking to us, we think of the best possible way of interpreting it. We try not to read people's hearts in an uncharitable way. But at the same time, we are to be discerning. It says this in Malachi 3, verse 18. Then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve God. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But... Solid food belongs to those who are full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And this is a question of maturity. Maturity. We will not all have this level of maturity. It was one of the things when Paul was writing to the Hebrews, he lamented that they were still on milk. And actually, to be honest, in the church today, we don't want, very widely across the West, many do not want to go beyond spiritual milk. But we ought to strive to be on solid food so that we can exercise our senses to discern good from evil. Thinking no evil in love is not wishful thinking about false teachers who openly, outwardly deny the truth. And dear friends, today, it's not just that there are some, there are, there are many false teachers within the visible church. Yes, even here in Northern Ireland. I'll put it like this. Every time you turn on the television and you see somebody claiming to be a Christian be it God TV or whatever other channel that there is, do not blindly believe everything people tell you. Test it against the word of God. Some of what they say may be true, but not all of it. And there's a, a trend we've seen over for the last, I don't know how many years now, within the Western church. Jeremiah 23, 21 talks of the same trend. I have not sent these prophets... These are men who will impose themselves on the preaching ministry, you could say. I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. 
It is a dangerous place when the church is filled with men who only are in the pulpit because they want to be there. Not because the church has recognized gifting in them. They will be men who will teach the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. They will try to deceive. They will put a smile on Satan's doctrine. And how do you know? How do you know who is who? Jesus himself. And if we look back at the the Gospels, look how much Jesus warned time and time again. He said this in Matthew 7, verses 15 to 20. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. But every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And it says it again here, therefore by their fruits... You will know them. Again, we we think the best we can possibly think of people. But at the same time, we are not to be naive. We are to be discerning. Test everything against the word of the living God. And so we've looked at a deceptive delusion. There will be people who depart from the church who will basically try to recruit. But there's also now, we're looking at dwellers in a decisive, decisive direction. A certain direction. A A direction that will certainly come to pass is our fourth point. So dwellers in a dangerous denial, dwellers in a delivering doctrine, dwellers in a deceptive delusion. And finally, number four, dwellers in a decisive direction. The future is never by accident. People want to believe that storms, earthquakes... And all other what people call natural disasters did just happen. I don't know if you've been watching the news and documentaries and they'll describe it like this. Things just happen. They don't. Every single thing around you, every effect in the world, if you see a ball rolling down between the aisles or if you see something shaking, everything has a cause. Things don't just happen happen and as the future just as the past was under the sovereign hand of God so is the future so is our future and that is why it is so certain decided beforehand and in the future there is a return of the king of the king of kings and the lord of lords verses 28 and 29 and now little children abide in him Stay in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. When he appears, we may have confidence. And this is absolutely certain. 
It's not just certain things, little things here and there that the Lord has complete control over. He has complete control over every single thing. Even what is happening right now in Turkey and Syria. Everything, everything is under the sovereign control of Almighty God. And the Lord will often use these things. To show us that we are surrounded in this world by death. We are surrounded in this world by suffering. And why are we surrounded by suffering and death? Sin. Do you dwell with him? It says, and now little children, abide in him. Do you dwell in him? Are you sure of this? And I pray, dear friends, as we, brothers and sisters in Christ, as we go through this book of 1 John... That as we go through this book, your confidence that you are a Christian will increase. If you are indeed a Christian. That is healthy. And as you grow, you're going to notice one thing. Your appetite for godly things will increase. You will want more of the word of God. You will want to pray more. And if that is you, be confident. You have good reason to be confident. Not just that you're a Christian, but that when the Lord appears, as he will again, most certainly, most surely, most decisively, we will not be ashamed at his coming. We will not be brought to ruin. We will not be brought to shame because of our own sin. Therefore, dear friends, we can look forward to that day. I think it's One of the things we do not think enough about in the church today. We don't think about the Lord's return. Sure, there may be speculation over various things regards with things called the rapture and and things like this. But do we think about the Lord's return in the new heavens and the new earth? This world that is so full of sin that it grieves you and you long for a new heavens and a new earth. And those new heavens and a new earth, it's not like a brand new earth, like the the Lord gets the world and throws it in the bin and starts again. It is renewed. It is given all sin and all trace of it is driven out. And it is, sin is no more and righteousness reigns over the world. Christ ruling and reigning. And when that happens, you have every degree of confidence because you are abiding in him and when he appears we may have confidence we may have boldness we may have even dare we say excitement and not be ashamed before him at his coming as Paul said to the Romans I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ I am not ashamed why? because Christ has removed it with his blood we look forward to his return This word here used in the original language for coming, his coming. It's not just in English we think of coming, somebody like having a visit. But it's somewhat of a technical term, the word parousia. And it has the idea of a king. And this was actually used outside of the Bible. A king coming for a royal visit. It was a serious Thing. It was a, a wonderful occasion. It was a time of celebration. A major event. 
And as it says in Acts chapter 1, verses 9 to 11. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up. This is Christ taken up into heaven. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And when they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. You see this, dear friends? Visibly, he's taken up into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. He will return visibly, openly, and for all to see. And when that happens, if you are abiding in Jesus Christ, dwelling in him, remaining in him, trusting in him, being fed by in him, being clothed by his righteousness, then you have every reason to be confident. And it gives the reason once again. How do you know that you're trusting him? How do you know that you're abiding with him? If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices or does righteousness is born of him. See, dear friends, there is a difference between those who are saved and those who are lost. Those who are saved, they practice righteousness. Not perfectly, but they are like their master. They are like the one they learn from. And dear friends, isn't that a wonderful thing to remember? The Lord Jesus Christ is returning. This world will not be thrown in the bin. This world will be renewed, refreshed. It will be brought and made anew. If you love him, embrace him. If you love him, dear friends, you will not want to be away from him. Cling to him, remain with him, abide with him forever and ever. Because dear friends, Christ is your home. He is your dwelling. He is your heavenly abode. And dear friends, if you do not wish to be with him and remain with him on this earth, what would make you think that you would want to remain with him for all eternity? Isn't it true? If we do not wish to be with Christ here, We will not wish to be with Christ in heaven. But if you wish to be with Christ today, oh dear friends, that day will be so sweet, so glorious, so wonderful. And we have every confidence if we look forward to that day. Amen.